Welcome to this week's edition of the Magic Hour here at the Forum Club at the Athletic LA. I got all that, Andy? Yes, you did. Very good. All right. Um, as we announced this last week, um, because there is no basketball to speak of this, uh, today's horse tournament notwithstanding, uh, there really isn't any basketball to talk about. So um, Andy and I, uh, we announced last week we're going to kind of convert this podcast into a sports movie podcast, um, which we are starting today. Obviously, if Lakers stuff happens, uh, we'll, we'll record something separately on that. And I'll, obviously, you can listen to Basketball Reasons with Bill Orem. And Brett Dawson for that stuff as well on the same channel at the Forum Club. Uh, but this week we are are starting sports movie podcasting uh, with Rocky Three. Yes, the third of the Rocky films. Uh, and to help us do the that, sixth Brian, sixth of the Rocky films, because I can tell you're forgetting about a little movie called Rocky Balboa. No, no, no. It was still came third. No, but you said it was the- third of six. I thought you said third of five. My apologies. I just I didn't even I didn't even give a number. I just said the third. It was Rocky okay, Three, the third of the Rocky movies. Okay, that's all. Joining us to talk about <laughs> uh, joining us to talk about it. Our friend Zach Harper, uh, you know him from the uh, Count the Dings podcast and everything else that you read at the Athletic. Hey man, how you doing? Oh man, uh, isn't it technically eight? Because Creed and Creed Two. Yeah, you know I was trying to figure I mean, out that right. Ball? Right when I said that, I was wondering about Creed and Creed Two, but I'm just in terms of the films with Rocky in the title. Right, there, there would, there I would have said third of six if I had said anything like that at all. I we've established, but, um, Brian. I was wrong. Right, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure people understand. How is your uh, how's your pandemic going, Zach? You are you enjoying it? Oh man, what a feces storm this place is. <laughs> <laughs> your house or the just, world did you also run no out of, no the house out, the house ran is, out of toilet paper <laughs> no the house is super clean um no it's just the world like and, and it's you know i've i've boiled it down to um my girlfriend and i have boiled it down to one trip to the store a week we get all of our supplies and everything and then and then we you know and then we uh we just survive in advance um mm-hmm. this is really just all to be common and then we listen to like people like oh my god can you believe this getting pushed back to may 15th i'm like do you think it's ending before july <laughs> like that's my question to everyone else so like I, like whenever like yeah kick the can down the road all you want but know that that can's going a long way have you guys found that you're using the term hunkering a lot more than you used to I know my dad says hunkering a lot. I have yeah. not used hunkering as much. Um, I'm using quarantine quite a bit. And then people are like, oh, my God, are you sick? I'm like, no, I'm just we're all self-isolated. It's just my way of saying I'm, I'm staying inside. I'm not actually quarantined. I'm just but I'm calling it quarantine. I mean, no more than I should have been in college. Uh, right. But- <laughs> exactly. Hi, yo. <laughs> anyway zach thanks for coming on we appreciate it. this is this is uh it's it's fun this is uh this will be a, a good thing to do uh we hope while there is, are no sports to speak of so um this this yeah uh, thanks for having me by the way course, i got yes. something for this rocky balboa this oh, guy really okay what a fraud <laughs> what an absolute fraud <laughs> well we're there's gonna a, get there's into a that lot because... that gets exposed about rocky particularly in this movie in ways that maybe were evident before but they're never laid out quite as bare as in Rocky 3. Yeah, I feel like this this movie more than any of the other Rockies is really like an anthropological moment in in sports movie making that that's actually more significant than the movie itself, but we'll cover all of this stuff uh, as we move through the movie. Of course, Rocky 3, we'll start with our with our lineup here. Um 
Sylvester Stallone is Rocky. Talia Shire is Adrian. Carl Weathers is Apollo Creed. Burt Young plays Pauly. That's your your main four. The, you know the same basic group from Rocky's uh, one and two. Uh, they introduce Hulk Hogan as Thunderlips. What is he? The the uh, the he's not the, the the he's like God's gift to women or something. I forget exactly how they introduce him. Uh, and then uh, in I, I just ver- know that I just know he he steps into a ring and he and he yells into an arena microphone. Where all my where all my love slaves? Yes, yeah. just what a wild <laughs> thing to yell to a crowd. It's it's but, it's the original. Who wants to sex Matumbo? Right. And I, I don't think he was asking rhetorically either. I think he really wanted to No, no, to that know. was a real question. <laughs> that was, he was really inquiring as to where they were. Um, that was, of course, in the charity wrestling match, uh, boxing wrestling match between Rocky and Thunderlips, played by Hulk Hogan, which we will definitely get to. And in really uh, probably the most important pop culture moment in terms of casting, uh, this really is the debut of Mr. T. Uh, who plays Clubber Lang uh, in this film, the the main opponent for Rocky. So, um, Andy, a lot was going on in sports and Hollywood when this movie came out. Yeah, this was a really big time in boxing. Like, just in the couple years leading up to or after Rocky's Three's release, Roberto Duran uh, won the WBC welterweight title. Marvin Hagler became the middleweight champ. Larry Holmes retained his WBC world heavyweight crown in the 11th round, TKO from Ali. This fight was considered one of the most despicable in the history of <laughs> boxing. <laughs> and Don King, it had been alleged, made Ali paid uh, he, he uh, fight to pay King for the hospital bills. Uh, it, the no Moss fight between Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran happened. Ali's last fight um, and Frazier's last fight came the next year. Sugar Ray Leonard unified some of his titles. Uh, the year that Rocky Three came out, you had the Great White Hope fight between Larry Holmes and Jerry Cooney, the tragedy in the ring with Dooku Kim dying um, against Ray Mancini, Larry Holmes retaining his WBC World Heavyweight title belt in a 15-round unanimous decision over Randall Tex Cobb. You may remember wow. him from Raising Arizona. Yes. And <laughs> after this fight, Howard Cosell quit as a boxing commentator, disgusted over what he described as mismatches, according to Wikipedia. And also huh. Sugar Ray Leonard retired for the second but not last time. Well, this, what's what's amazing, but like I, I have never been a fight guy. Um, I, I don't care about boxing now. I never. But like this is the only era of boxing that I kind of remember being a little bit invested in with like Duran and Leonard and Hagler and Hearns and like these guys. Like I, I remember this. Like this to me seems like the last golden age of boxing, unless I'm missing something like Tyson was an exception. But like it feels like Tyson, Zach, was like you followed Tyson. You didn't so much follow boxing, at least not for me. Yeah, well, I don't know. Um, I think there's I think there's accuracy with that. But also like Evander Holyfield was around at that time. Like yeah, we did have true. Lennox Lewis. Roy Jones yeah. Jr. was after. Like, I do think there was a little bit of that, but it wasn't it definitely wasn't the same as this time. Can I also say another big thing that happened in this year? I was Please. born. Excellent. Oh, that was next on my there list. You go. Yeah. Oh, that was Spoil- next. Oh, sorry. I Spoiler it. alert. Yeah. Um, taking a look at the at music, uh, the top songs of 1982, Physical by Olivia Newton-John. Eye of the Tiger was the number two song on the Billboard oh. 100, thanks to this movie. And we will uh, definitely get into the thanks significance of, of Eye of the Tiger. saying it about nine times in three at minutes. At least. At least nine <laughs> times. I love There's rock and roll. There's a lot of backstory to Eye of the Tiger yes. in this movie. <laughs> Ebony and Ivory and Centerfold, top-selling albums of the year. 
the top selling album of this uh, of 1982 is Asia, the self-titled album by Asia, Heat of the Moment and all that. Business as usual oh, for Men at Work spent seven weeks at the top of the Billboard charts. Uh, American Fool from John Cougar, nine weeks. And Beauty and the Beat by the Go-Go's, six weeks. Good my album. first crush. <laughs> my first crush, Belinda Carlisle. Oh, my God. Okay. I think then, that's uh, legit. Like, as far as first crushes go, that's yeah, pretty that's good. good. It's a good choice. And then, um, as far as movies go, like where we were in the movies, we weren't quite into the full-on aesthetics of big flash, spectacle, slick, macho, soundtrack-driven 80s. But clearly, we're moving in that direction. Like, Simpson Bruckheimer is about to take over Hollywood. Flashdance comes out the following year. Then Beverly Hills Cop. And, like, you can see a bit of the push-pull in Rocky Three. In terms of, there's a part of Stallone. It feels like wants to remain faithful to his roots, and then there's yeah. A part let's of him let's trying, start here. Let's let's get into this because I think this is really to, important to be a big hit. And by the way, Rocky Three was a huge hit. Uh, made 129 million domestically, fourth highest grossing film of 1982, behind only E.T., Tootsie, and an officer and a gentleman. The fifth highest, by the way, that year, Porky's, and <laughs> Rocky Three. Yes, of course. <laughs> Rocky three made forty million more than Rocky two, which underperformed compared to uh, Rocky at the box office, according to thenumbers.com. Adjusted for inflation, Rocky three made three hundred eighty-seven million dollars domestically. It also got the rare A plus cinema score. Like audiences loved Rocky three. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that they would just eat up, right? Because you get Stallone pretending to act. You get like, um, you know, you get people like thinking Rocky still got it. And, you know, it's the Eye of the Tiger soundtrack going to play into it. Because here's the thing, like, this is always my issue with Space Jam, is that whenever I say it's not a good movie, people then immediately the response is, the soundtrack's great. I'm like, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Like in terms of it being a good movie. Now, Rocky three is not space jam bad by any means. They're, they're like, it's mostly a good movie, but I really think I, the tiger pumps this thing up. Yeah. The thing I want to, before we get to that, what you said, Andy, before about like this straddling the line between like that, like sort of late seventies, early eighties sensibility of like that Rocky had of like really trying to make a real movie. And Rocky two is, also trying to make a real movie and that merge into uh, late 80s, early 90s spectacle. That's the push. But that's what I was talking about when I was saying like there's sort of anthropological moment. That's the push pull of this movie. And you see it at the very beginning. Like everybody is a little bit shinier (laughs) once they get out of like the recap of Rocky 2 and they start into the uh, the montage that sets up Rocky 3. Well, it's Um, important to remember, Brian, really quick. Stallone at this point of his career. He's not quite Stallone yet, but like he's on the verge of getting there because like Rocky three and first blood, the first of the Rambo movies, they both came out this year. And, you know, like that, that movie was a hit, but not huge. It it wasn't until the sequel that was a massive hit, which, by the way, came out the same year, 1985 as Rocky four. So big year for Stallone and America. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's doubling up the whole time. Yes, yes, he was. USA, USA, USA. Like, oh, speaking point, of that, have you guys seen the last one? The Last Blood? No, yes. I haven't. I skipped. <laughs> oh, it it is essentially just a MAGA movie. That's yes, all it, it is. is. <laughs> but like for the time being, like Stallone at this point in his career, 
he's really just a star with a crazy popular character than like a hit machine because everything he did after Rocky, other than Rocky Two, either underperformed or flat out tanked. So he's not quite well, there yet. He's not quite right. Still, he's not like Sly yet. He's still Sylvester. But the instinct, the instinct towards spectacle that would make Stallone a star, you could tell he's like he doesn't he doesn't want to go full four. Like here in this movie, like there's the he, the instinct is there, but he like something is holding him back. But that first montage, everybody's a little shinier. Uh, the 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 body oil is a little bit thicker, and you know the the fully work, like the punches, the 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 sounds that the punches make are even more ridiculous. Like you're starting to get into all of this stuff before anybody says a word in this movie. Like the first line of dialogue doesn't come until the eight minute mark of the movie. The rest is that's it's, wild. It, it's all montage <laughs> up until that point. Uh, and also a reminder of the significant place magazines once held in American culture. Um, oh, do you remember magazines? <laughs> oh, you turn pages like what? A oh, time. my God. But like they do the entire setup through a, uh, the, the magazine montage. But you know, it's just, and then of course, Eye of the Tiger. Like the, the, you know, that is a great representation of what movies and pop culture was about to become with that guitar riff and lyrics that, no disrespect to Survivor, are a little bit on the nose. <laughs> a little bit. They, well, okay, very not a lot nose. of subtlety in Eye of the Tiger. Okay, you just. Reminder that you said this because it, we're we're going to dive further into Eye of the Tiger because Eye of the Tiger, I mean, forget needing its own section of this podcast. Eye of the Tiger could be its own podcast. But let's just say, Brian, the people, uh, the folks of Survivor, they agree with you. <laughs> They're not unaware that it was a little well, on the nose. But, well, but before right. we since, go, since before this, we let Survivor the off the, of hook, the movie, every Survivor song. Lacks is, is exactly as on the nose as this one. It's exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah. And let, let's this, since we're at the start of this movie, let's see, Rocky didn't win that second match with Apollo Creed. He didn't win it. Okay. That was that were, the fix was in. <laughs> like the fix was absolutely in because they're both on their they're both like wobbling on their feet. Sure, Apollo falls down in the corner, right? But Rocky did not get up, give his, you know, show that he had control of his hands and has strength in his hands or anything. Like he just kind of almost gets up and the ref goes, "Yeah, he wins." Like that, that's not how that works. That's not how boxing works. Like unless Don King was involved, there's no way like that's not how any of it works. So he is a fake champion and it only goes to be proven further when Mickey won't schedule any good fighters against him. Like he's like, I think someone someone's name was like ball yank or something like that. <laughs> oh, like big, like, like there was big, like big, there's literally big, on the marquee. Something yank, right. Big yank. Yeah. Big yank ball. Right. Or big oh, ball big yank, yank or something like that. Like that's the, yeah, CZK or something. Right. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. And so like there like there is no. Like he's not a champion. He was he didn't win the title uh, fairly. That's that is up for for protest. He's not winning any real fights. And then the first time he faces an actual fighter, he gets destroyed because he's not a real champion. He's not the champ. No one should call him champ. Like Rocky is a fraud. But this is what I thought was really interesting about that, Zach. Like Mickey ends up telling Rocky, you know, that he was essentially carrying him and that he was giving him fights that he knew he could win. And Rocky seems genuinely unaware and shocked by this, which makes me wonder, like, does he actually follow his own sport? Does like Rocky actually know what's going well, on in also, boxing? Because like like Floyd Mayweather knows exactly what's statue? going on. 
to maintain his record. Did he know that's why? Because because he looks. <laughs> oh, for sure. But but Rocky, what Rocky think? looks oh, like he's surprised when they unveil the statue. He didn't know. He looks genuinely but there's a, shocked. Like I don't know what okay. he thought was going to be there—a motorcycle or something. But there's a, there's a lot actually in this movie that Rocky seems surprised by. Like I said, he seems surprised by the idea that he wasn't fighting the best competition in boxing, which is bizarre because he should know who the best competition in boxing is because he's the champion and he's a professional boxer. And then like when you when you the first well, no, time but you see, see like but that Mickey Mickey did Mickey did what good managers do. He said because he says it's not that they were bad fighters, but they were just set up in a way that Rocky could win. He was basically doing Mayweather. Right. No, but Mayweather you, knows you fight, Mayweather knows right, that's what, true. exactly you, what's going on. I'm Mayweather's not, in so, on this. Right, but did you ever really get the impression that Rocky you, was that did, a super bright guy? Did you hear yeah, did you see Mayweather try to say the word epidemic the other day? Like, I don't know that he does know. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think Mayweather. Also, he sucks. He's, he's a, he's a, he's like a serial domestic right, abuser. No, I, guys, but you like quick, yeah. quick uh, aside here. You know, all of those things was my least favorite thing about the pandemic is choose your pandemic house. Um, and like the sports one. <laughs> One of them that went around had like sports houses and one of them included Floyd Mayweather. Who's picking that house? Yeah. Who wants to go Another quarantine one with McGregor in it. Yeah, I'm not quarantining with him right. either. <laughs> like, no. <Yeah. laughs> no, thank you. Uh, also, here's the house I'm picking. Mine. That's what you're supposed to do during the pandemic. Quit picking houses. You idiots with no content. This is how we're going to end okay? up Okay, I'm sorry your sports got taken away with your, with your social media account, but just... Live tweet a movie or something. Live tweet an old game. Quit saying, pick this house. Ooh, pick three of these. No, pick something that's interesting to talk about. At like, your this house. is ultimately, this is how we end up with the quarantine stretching out further because people get eyes, ideas in their head of, okay, you know, maybe we should form a house like amongst our friends or whatever. And then this thing keeps going. Stay <laughs> in your damn house. Like stay in your right. house. Stay stop there. going outside. I stop just, talk, Stop going to your friends. I just, just stay need, inside for four months and we'll be fine. I need to know who's saying, gosh, the opportunity to spend, I don't know, nine weeks in a house with Floyd Mayweather with the inability to leave. Like, <laughs> I, I need to know who that person is so I can avoid yeah, that. I mean, yeah, maybe the allure is like you can steal some cash. Yeah. When this whole thing, I, mean, I, I, right? I, like, I guess that's if, if I had the I, I know the breaks the rules of social distancing and quarantine. If I could go quarantine at LeBron's house, I'm out of here in a heartbeat. Like I'm, I'm gone. I'm abandoning my family. I don't know. You got to do all those TikTok videos. Like I'm, just, <laughs> they won't even know I'm there. You're telling pass. me I can't find a wing of LeBron's house they haven't covered during this thing. <laughs> I could just go live in his attic, and I'd have more space than I have now. That's that's true. Um, so yeah, we, uh, this uh, rock, uh, eye of the tiger is its own cultural moment um, that, that we'll, that we'll talk about here. But when we get into the, the, uh, the whole thing of like Rocky and whether or not he believes it, when the performances of this movie, cause now we're, now we're getting to the nitty gritty of grading is at the end of this podcast, uh, Zach, we are going to assign a certain value of rings, uh, to this movie where we will count the rings cause it's a sports podcast. So you have to count the rings at the end. We will give it a ring rating from one to 10. Uh, and to do that, we have to go through some criteria and it starts with performances. Um, who's good in this movie? How convincing are they? Who's good? Oh, Mr. T's phenomenal. <laughs> you want to start? Do you want to start with T or end with T, Andy? 
Oh, start with T. Zach already brought Start with T. Here we go. Mr. T. He's convincing. He's he's unbelievable. <laughs> he's I like I believed every single word he said. I believe that he was going to show uh, Adrian what a real man looks like. I believe that he was going to kill Rocky. I believed everything he said. <laughs> the anger was spectacular. Um, well, have you ever read T's IMDb page? I think there's a reason all of this felt believable. No, <laughs> no. His backstory, Zach, Mr. T. Like, it's amazing that there has not been, to the best of my knowledge, a documentary about Mr. T. He's had an absolutely fascinating life. Like, I've been learning more about this for this podcast. Like, he, he grew up, you know, extremely poor, like one of 12 children in, in Chicago, like in a rough area. In a three-bedroom uh, apartment. He, he legally changed his name to... T, his last name to T, his new name was Mr. T, and reading a quote from, uh, that he gave and seeing it in Wikipedia, I think about my father being called boy, my uncle being called boy, my brother coming back from Vietnam being called boy. So I questioned myself, what does a black man have to do before he's given the respect as a man? So when I was 18 years old, when I was old enough to fight and die for my country, old enough to drink, old enough to vote, I said I was old enough to be called a man. I self-ordained myself Mr. T. So the first word out of everybody's mouth is Mr. That's a sign of respect my father didn't get, that my brother didn't get, that my mother didn't get. That is intense. <laughs> that yeah, that's like, we remember we all freaked out about Bobby Portis saying, oh, I, uh, I picture that the opponent beat my mom and that, and that, and then I go after them. Like, this is another level of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, mean, I mean, he, he was, was, he was like a perfect, he was like a, you know, a bouncer for a while. And like, apparently like the, like he was like the real life Dalton from Roadhouse. Like he was that great as a bouncer. <laughs> he was the cool. He claims he, he, claims really he was, was once a non, he claims he was once offered uh, anonymously $75,000 to assassinate someone. And he didn't do it. He, he passed. And, and back then. That's you know, right. That's 75 K really and like, right, in like, in like yeah. 1988 dollars. <laughs> so it's significantly more than that. You know how he was discovered? No, uh, he was discovered uh, in tough man competitions. The first airing uh, as a Sunday games on NBC TV under the contest of America's toughest bouncer, which, by the way, is a show I would 100 percent watch today. How is ESPN not? How are we not right reviving <laughs> America's toughest bouncer? But anyway, that's how Stallone found him was on this uh, America's toughest bouncer. Um, and. He was he ended up in, a, in a, another competition called Games People Play, uh, interviewed by Bryant Gumble before the final match. He said, I just feel sorry for the guy I have to box. I feel real sorry for him. The fight was scheduled to last three rounds. T finished it in 54 seconds. I don't hate him, but I pity the fool. And that is how I pity the fool. That's came what it to is. Be. Uh, yeah. Rocky was apparently or Stallone was apparently inspired by that interview. So t it's important for people to remember Mr. T wasn't Mr. T yet. This is what made him Mr. T, like in terms of being a famous guy. He went on to do the A-team and all that stuff after this, not before. So um, America's Toughest Bouncer, show I would absolutely watch. But the anger that you I see from Mr. T, I don't think he had to dig real deep to find it. Yeah, I don't know that he knew he was acting, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Maybe he got angry because he's like, why do they keep calling me Clubber? My name's Mr. T. Like, he didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, that story like Norm Macdonald when he does movies like he just kept asking why can't my character be named Norm because he keep forgetting when people right. at, like, call him by his movie name or he wouldn't respond. Right. 
Um, but um, yeah, I like he he's the he's the best in this movie, in my opinion. He is one hundred percent convincing. I sometimes feel bad for him because I feel like they didn't really necessarily give him enough dialogue to fill some of these montages. Like there's the one after he wins the title, he goes, oh, "Yeah, I'm the best." <laughs> there's a lot of times he's just right. yelling he's like you and he's trying to get at rocky in the ring and they're holding him back right it's like thing. stallone like, was yelling. like i need he another doesn't... i need another six seconds of phil and he just it's like what do you want me to say i don't know <laughs> it's like it's not fair it's not his fault <laughs> but um i I, bl- I blame stallone who directed this one stallone uh yeah stallone so i blame him for both both as a writer and a director um right and and stallone is not this is not his best rocky performance you know, it's I would say it's though, probably the worst one. I, you know, I disagree. I actually watching this is the first time I'd seen it in a while. And, I, you know, I'm not going to say that he's great in it or that he's as good as he was in the first Rocky. But I remember him being worse than I thought he was in this. And I actually came to realize that I think Rocky four and Rocky three, I've just sort of morphed into the same thing. And I remember him being more cartoonish in this movie. Than I think he actually is, and more of the cartoonishness is in four, and then just yes. you know five moving forward, he's just awful until Creed, like where I, he's surprisingly see, this, good. This is what I would say. I would say he's better in five than he is in three, and I know that's going to be a super hot take, but I think he's better as I think he's more believable as a broken down Rocky than like you know oh life's going too good Rocky. I just and he's and he's a horrible like Rocky in Rocky three is a horrible trash talker. And so he's like trying to talk and, he, and it's it's not just a t- terrible talker like he's bad at trash talking. And so when he's trying to go like toe to toe and yell at Mr. T and everything, I'm sorry, Clever Lang, like when he's trying to yell at him, like it comes off so stilted and so weak to me that I don't like there's no part of me that's like, yeah, get a rock. <laughs> it's well, I mean, he is supposed to be worse at trash talk than Clever, Andy. I think that's part of it. I, you know, really what I'm talking about, Zach, are the quiet movie, the quiet moments of Rocky three where I really think he comes through, <laughs> you know, the, the quieter moments with Polly or with with Apollo, with with. Adrian, Ooh, not Paulie. I forgot how racist oh, he is. Oh, he's Ooh, really that was, super. That was a super duper racist. That. Yeah, yeah no that, that that was kind of out of left field. They don't really hint at that in the first two, but boy, right. do they let oh, that thought, out? No, I thought they did. I thought they I not thought to this clear. degree. No, they did not. Huh? I I, I don't. Yeah, no. Paulie does not like black people. No, it's pretty pretty clear. Mm-mm. Um, but then has a has an issue if they have an issue right. with him. Because he says, what well, do I do? That's, that might be the whole racism thing, Paul. That's actually one of the hallmark of a racist is that they don't like it when the other <laughs> people don't like them. Only they are allowed not to like oh. the, the offending race uh, in question. But um, yeah, I don't, but I he don't, does. Burt Young love, is doing slime this movie. I don't know. Here's my I think the bigger weakness with Stallone isn't Stallone the actor here. It's really Stallone the writer. Because like you feel like he got. Yeah, that's he had. Fair three scenes in him you basically had he had the the mickey rock the mickey rocky scene where mickey tells him like explains why he did what he did he had the scene with um with paulie at the with, beginning with well sort of i think the 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 better the, the three that i'm thinking of uh, that one the the one where apollo comes to 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 get him to train after mm-hmm. mickey dies and then the scene on the beach with adrian like those are the only scenes I feel like, and not all of them are necessarily well written, but I feel like that's all the 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 energy that he had. The rest of the movie is a montage. That's it. Like the, he he wrote three scenes effectively, 
And the rest of the yeah, movie is a montage. It's a lot of montages. Which, by the yeah. way, is the Stallone go-to as a writer and director for these movies because Rocky II is a series of montages and Rocky IV is basically all montages. Rocky IV has, and I've never seen this in another movie, back-to-back montages. <laughs> yes. In, in Russia, when you, you see Rocky yeah. start to train, then Adrian shows up and they just look at each other silently and they understand what the moment means and the magnitude of it that, that Adrian after disapproving yeah. goes to Russia and then the, another montage starts up again. Like I've yep. never seen back-to-back montages. Got the to. script yeah. for Rocky IV is 17 pages long. The whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky III oh, is about well, Rocky III is about 38 pages, but the, the script for Rocky IV yeah. is, is about 17. <laughs> um, speaking of Adrian, Talia Shire is phenomenal in this movie as well. I think so. I, I she think she's great. great. I, yeah. I think the, the whole scene on the beach and everything like she's yeah she's not working with much on that scene but she's doing well and I think Carl Weathers is right, great she's working with Sly <laughs> I think yeah Carl, Carl Weathers, Weathers is great, great. <laughs> Carl Weathers is like, very good Carl Weathers is actually very good in this movie like yeah. again not work I mean you know he's not working with much she's not working with much is kind of an evergreen statement for this whole movie yeah. in terms of the script <laughs> you don't really need to be specific it's it's not a great script at all no because it's again it's it's rocky it's stallone he does the, he, the 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 last shred of artistic stallone which eventually sort of comes back with um creed you know with with creed is is trying to hang on because he, he as i say doesn't want to go full four um and in four, he's just like, screw it, I'm getting paid. Let's wrap ourselves in the flag and well, let's by, do this. I was going to say, by four, he, he had kind of become to embody, you know, Murica and 80s Reagan. You know, like he really was a symbol of all of that. And again, the Rocky Four and the sequel to Rambo coming out in the exact same year, that just cemented mm-hmm. it. Right. Because I mean, that, that everything turned Stallone into that. Everything that's in four is in three. It just turned up to like 14. Like... You know, the, the sort of the Thunderlips scene becomes living in America slash the first Drago fight with Creed. Um, you know, then the training mm-hmm. montages are turned up to 15. And then the, the match in Russia is turned up to like 30 compared to the clubber. Like the clubber match is actually kind of understated for a Rocky. Like if you compare that to what like the Drago match, it's like tasteful and quiet uh, it's like my dinner with Andre. It's very, it's a very small, <laughs> yeah, when, very small, yeah, when you, quiet thing. When you get, when you get to the, to the match with Clubber, there's only like 14 minutes left in the movie. Right. Like, it's like, no, this is the no, end. No, we're just moving along. He, he moves it along pretty quickly and you just sort of, sort of just, just, just smile and, and kind of take it. Um, I, w- I want to get yeah. into the, some of the authenticity questions here because again, part of what makes a great sports movie is whether or not it's authentic. Um, to me, this is where the Rocky boxing stuff starts to go off the rails a little bit because, um, and I will set Thunderlips aside here for a minute because I'm not entirely sure why that's in the movie. Um, that's it really question. has. I think it's just because Hulk's in Right. Is. I think that's probably it. But it has, they, once they're done, it has literally no bearing other than I guess maybe you're supposed to get from that. Maybe he doesn't take boxing seriously enough. Um, right. but it's a long time to spend just to make that point. There are more uh, Sonny Carlo phantom punches, you know, the, the criticism of that from The Godfather <laughs> in this movie than any boxing yeah. movie I've ever seen. Like, they're not even close 
on half of these punches that are thrown. And Andy, I just get the feeling Stallone was like, eh, move on. Doesn't matter. Like when they looked at it in the editing or whatever, eh, whatever. Again, I mean, this Stallone, I think, was comfortable being in the ring. You know, as far as like that being his wheelhouse, he's clearly comfortable being there. He's not necessarily great at staging that stuff. Um, that being said, and, and we'll, we'll get into this. There's a lot of time spent in this movie really trying to convince you that Rocky is a terrible boxer, like that he's never actually been a good boxer. So maybe the staging of these scenes were sort of a meta commentary on how bad of a boxer Rocky actually is. Maybe. I don't know. But they do get into that. Even in the first you know, round of, of stuff before he gets into the ring with with uh, Clubber the first time, like the, the boxing commentators say, yes, like he's he's always been like a puncher. He's not really been a, a real but fighter. Then like when, when when Apollo starts training Rocky, like he starts putting him through the most basic footwork that like I've taken a few boxing right. classes before. And like, this is the stuff they were teaching me. Like, like you wonder, like, how did this guy ever become a heavyweight champ? Like, did he ever know how to fight? Like, like, unless they were, yeah, unless they were just I, I, leaning into the idea of like a black man teaching a white man rhythm. And like, they just thought that like, this was a statement of sorts or something that people would find edgy or, or what, like this, this was something thematic that they wanted to get into. Rocky may have been the worst professional champion in any sport ever. Oh, he's a fraud. That's why <laughs> I told you he's a fraud. But he had no business being a champion. He didn't win that fight against Apollo. No, I think I almost wonder if like if Stallone had heard criticism of the boxing in the first two movies. Right. And then just decided like, OK, I'll just well, say that. I just true. feel like it was, it was like the laziest way to express Rocky has not been taking his training seriously since he won the title. Like he really hasn't been working on his craft. I mean, even in, in the original, in the first one, like nobody goes out of their way to say, you know, he's a great technical fighter. It's just, you know, he's a Rocky's talents. He's a brawler right? are yeah. being able to take a punch. He has a heavy, he has a heavy fist. Like everybody knows that. And uh, this is the other thing that I thought was fascinating. Like they make a big deal. Did they make a big deal, Andy, in the first one, how he's never broken his nose? Uh, one of them, if not the first, they've made it's a deal in there, right? Yes. In the series, but it is for, for a guy who never breaks his nose. And so he's like, oh yeah, you can take a punch. He's hard to, he's hard to, to take down that way. His eyes swell shut with like two punches. So on the one hand, he's got that, but like his eye, like you punch Rocky three times, his eyes swell shut. So I don't understand what's going on here necessarily in terms of, so, and then, you know, so that I, I, I question that in, in regards to the, to the authenticity thing of it. Uh, but you're right, Andy, like when you, when you start to get into the training, he's so bad, he's, he's even ropey bad, but like he's regressed, he's regressed past the point where he began in the first Rocky. Like, like the first Rocky would kick the crap out of Rocky three, which seems impossible because that Rocky was actually a champion. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's really bizarre. Like the, the direction that Stallone took this and like how far he wanted to drive this home. Like he made him look like he, he had never actually boxed before. And then like, as the training goes along, a I'm calling bullshit. There is no way. Rocky Balboa ever beats Apollo Creed in a race like that never happens. <laughs> no, not in a million no years. 
Like I do love though those things are set up so well though like the way like the the sheer effort that you see Stallone having to run with like he looks like a lunky white guy trying to catch up to the fast athlete. It's really well that part of well, it's well also, done. Like man, no, but but here's where it's not well done is when they do the slow mo close up of his face and his hair's not moving. <laughs> so it looks like he's literally just moving side to side. Well, but his cheeks are. He's exact exact cheeks running are. in the wind on the beach. You're a little too young, I think, to truly remember the era of feathered hair. Like, really well-feathered hair. It could withstand <laughs> that type of running on the beach. Yeah, well, you also, Zach, remember the shape. It is shaped to slice through wind resistance in that way. I mean, you, you just have to take the word of an elder, Zach, who's lived through this before. Sure. <laughs> that Andy had a mean, Andy uh, had a mean feather. I, yes, I look, did. I, I don't want to I don't want to be I don't want to be disrespectful or anything. I feel like I know about hair <laughs> oh. out of the three of us. <laughs> no, but this is era specific hair, Zach. <laughs> that's true. OK, that's this is true. hair before your time. Um, <laughs> Back when hair meant something. <laughs> Millennials have killed hair. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you but, for that and your avocado toast, you asshole. Now, Mr. T, though, <laughs> Mr. T, I don't know how good of a boxer he was or wasn't, but he looks convincing as a guy who's thrown hands because, as we've learned, he clearly has. Like a fight between Clubber and Apollo, like even Apollo retired, I think would have been a better looking, yeah. better fight. By the way, too, uh, apparently, if Mr. T and Carl Weathers had had their way, that fight would have happened. According to Stallone, they didn't get along and they butted heads a lot over the course of the Interesting. movie. And remember that oh. scene where Apollo- Artistic differences? <laughs> it, was not, <laughs> it was not made clear. But uh, that, that scene in the uh, rematch, or no, I'm not sure if it was the rematch or if it was the original one, but Apollo uh, approaches Clubber's corner and tries to shake his hand and uh, Clubber knocks it away and goes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was right after they'd had a dispute on set. So the two of them did not get oh. along. Hmm. And he turns it, don't turn your back on me, boy. It's like, damn, that was intense. Yeah. So the, Mr. you know, there's a portion, there's, there was a part during that, that, that whole training sequence where Apollo was like, how the hell did I lose to this guy? <laughs> like, it's absolutely impossible <laughs> that I lost to this guy. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, the other thing that I thought was was amazing about this in terms of the authenticity of it, the Nike, the role of Nike in this movie is stunning. It's like it really is like the product shots for Nike here are incredible. Like every shoe, like when they're on the beach, they're wearing the Nike stuff. Talia Shire is wearing a pair of Nike sneakers in the be on the beach scene. She's not wearing flip-flops. She's not she's wearing Nike's. Like they're <laughs> everywhere in this movie. And it is so once you see it once, it's obvious. Like every footwork shot, yeah, it's everywhere. every footwork shot, you feel like, oh, they're like showing up. No, no, actually, no, this is a Nike ad again. But I will say it was an era of Nike that I would I, I would love to buy more of those. Like whenever they bring oh, those throwbacks up, they're so good. Yeah. I'd actually I wonder wear the pair. That Talia Shire was wearing were the old cardinal colors, Andy, from the, from the, uh, you know, like the late 80s where they wore the blue uniforms on the road. It was blue with a red swoosh. I, I want those shoes. You know, now that I think about it, I wonder actually if the whole thing about Rocky having to relearn footwork was just for the Nikes. Like it wasn't even like an artistic choice or, or a, a it wouldn't surprise like me. We need it. We need it. Yeah, we <laughs> yes. need product placement. <laughs> this was Nike's willing to throw some money at him. Yeah. So, okay. How do we do this? How do we do this? Okay. Rocky has to relearn his footwork. He has no footwork whatsoever and go. 
Yeah. Right. Clubbers. And Nike just said, we'd really like it in a montage. <laughs> and so I said, I got you. <laughs> Way ahead of you. How can Way we find you, someone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, but you have that like clubbers teams uh, ringside gear is spectacular. Like I would wear all of their stuff. Oh, yeah. Nike did a great job outfitting these people. Um, So also wasn't totally clear that Clubber had a had a a a manager or a a coach. No, he trained alone until about the until the. I don't think he had a trainer. I think he just had corner people. Well, I mean, someone in a corner because he trained alone. Like there's no one there until he gets in the ring. Yeah. Well, he actually says, you know, I train alone. I live alone. Feasible. I do everything alone. He actually says. Yeah. Do you do you so so that makes me think like this is not an authentic movie. <laughs> do you so where does it rank in the other Rockies in terms of authenticity? It's more authentic than four. <sighs> I mean, I mean, come on, it's more authentic than four for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's more authentic than four. Um, it's not definitely less than one. It's tough because this is this is the least believable Rocky for me. I believe him more in four. I believe him in five. Um, I believe in one and two. This is the least believable Rocky for me. But um, but in ter- yeah, in terms of authenticity, like, look, I know it's not a good movie, but I do think it's a, on par with five in terms of authenticity. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, five five starts getting into a weird place where it's not even so much about boxing as it is about Rocky, you know, moving into retirement. You know, he's lost all his money. It, you know, the, the stuff with. Yeah, which to me, that seems authentic. Yeah, it's I mean, very, right? Very like, boxer. Like it's the, a very like, professional like boxer. Former champ box. Yeah, exactly. Like lost it all, not knowing how he lost it all and everything. He's got head injuries and all this, all this stuff like that to me feels at least as authentic. I would much it. rather be in his pandemic house than Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except he gets foreclosed right. on and you have to move into a smaller <laughs> pandemic Who house. Who gets the robot when, when Rocky gets foreclosed on? Oh, man, how did that thing not get sold for parts? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that thing, uh, it actually got seized when, like, all of Rocky's stuff in his mansion. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> By the way, the, uh, the inter- other interesting things about the sort of the authenticity of this movie, did you guys notice that in the scene where the statue is unveiled, they're playing Gonna Fly now. They're playing the theme to Rocky. The marching band is yeah. playing. The, somehow, it's like the opposite of penetrating the fourth wall. The stuff that was outside the fourth wall that only the audience heard in Rocky one somehow penetrated the world of Rocky <laughs> and became this, like the music that people play when Rocky was around. I was, I rewound it. Cause I was like, wait, what the marching band is playing the theme to Rocky. How does that happen? Which makes, which makes me think that this whole thing has led to by the end of, of Creed, mm-hmm. it should have just been, we all like, you know, sliced alone is, you know, Rocky's like laying in a in a bed, like, you know, in a hospital somewhere. And it just it, it goes real close in on his pupil. And we cut back to Rocky one where Apollo Creed has knocked him on the ground and and Rocky actually dies. Yeah. This whole thing was a Jacob ladder. Jacob's <laughs> it's ladder scenario. It's all, and that's like that's really where this series. It's also gone. not the only time they pull this trick in the movie. Um, in the first training scene where Apollo's got him and they're like trying to teach him the footwork, Andy, and, and, and Polly's like, you can't teach him rhythm like you would a colored fighter. And we're all just like, whoa. Um, yeah. He, I believe he says jungle music. He calls, one point do you know like, what song they're playing? No, I didn't even pay attention. It's a sort of like, you know, the soundtrack style remix sort of thing, lyricless version of Eye of the Tiger. 
He's referring to this the title theme played by Survivor, which I believe is five very white guys, as quote very jungle guys, junk yeah. music. Like that's what again with the sort of the authenticity. Yeah. That's really what theory. Like so, like there are some liberties here taken just from a, a way to get the soundtrack in there more often and hear the theme to Rocky more often in ways that make absolutely no sense in the yeah. world of the movie. Yeah. I wish I was kind of yeah, sh- I was kind of like blown away by that. Look, it's not Teen Wolf, but it's not far <laughs> from it in terms of the authenticity. Well, I, okay, this there's one last thing I was getting into as far as like Rocky not realizing that he's being carried by Mickey, like being genuinely unaware of it, like a guy who doesn't seem to be keeping up with his own sport. I guess you know he's become that soft and that sheltered, you know, that caught up in the life that he's not paying attention. He seems genuinely unaware of who Clubber Lang is. When Clubber Lang confronts him at the statue unveiling ceremony, like right. Mickey knows yeah. exactly who he is. Rocky doesn't seem to know who Clubber Lang is. He's the number one contender right. to the he title. He does look at him like he has no idea who that is. <laughs> he looks at he looks at yeah. him like security. Like somebody get this somebody get this man with a mohawk out of here. Like he doesn't seem to know who Clubber is. Well, uh, which also to speak I don't to get the lack of authenticity. Like I, I'm not look. I, they may own this. Co- one, this company may own the other company, but he does like a, in one of the ma- mini magazine montages. He does a um, he does a an ad for a DeLorean, and then like three three cuts later, he's doing an ad for Maserati. I'm like, how did he get out of that DeLorean contract? <laughs> <laughs> maybe he just reached the end of it, and he's like, you know what, DeLorean? Yeah, maybe, yeah that's I mean, DeLorean has a car, as a car company ran into some frequent well, you know, problems. I was so going to say that's true. That depending on the timeline, the issue might have worked itself out. Like he might have been Rocky might have become <laughs> that's true. Yeah, he might, he have, might have become a free agent. Rode that thing out. Right. Oh, I guess that one's done. Uh, I do. Uh, I do like the well, actually, I'll save this for uh, uh, for timelessness and pop culture relevance because uh, this matters. But I mean, before we move on, this is is the question of why the entire thing with Thunderlips in there. Is that a question of authenticity or is that a pop culture issue? Because I'll save it for the next. I think that's a pop culture. That's a pop culture issue. Because also very poorly officiated charity match. (laughs) Horrible! Oh my god! Oh, he he punches like six cops. Well, let me. Yeah, yeah, he punches a bunch of cops, which seems like that would be okay. But also, (laughs) even um, in the eighties. Yeah, well, it, even the in the in the title fight, right? When he gets his rematch against Clubber Lang, he should have lost that match too. He's wobbly. He gets up and and he oh, and and, 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 and instantly the, gets back the, to oh, you're ref, not so tough, right? Yeah, he does that, but no, but, but even like there's like a nine count that he gets up and he is not he is not with it, and the ref just lets him go. Yeah, and like that that fight. Well, also cold. in fairness, so this is a two time fake. Champion. But also in fairness, there is that moment where Clubber gets the upper hand by grabbing Rocky and throwing him into the corner, which again I don't know everything yeah, about was... boxing is also not allowed. Uh, let's move to usually to timelessness, which uh, we we refer to kind of we're talking about how well this movie holds up, pop culture penetration, impact on sports movies and sports culture. Um, we know all the characters like. These the, the every character in the Rocky series on one level or another is well known. Um, would you guys argue that Clubber Lang, where is Clubber Lang rank in the Rocky boxing sort of character opponent pantheon? Oh, he's the best one. He's number one. Do you see? Do you think he's the, do you think he's the most well known, or do you just like him best? 
No, I think, I, well, I mean, I, Apollo Creed's got to be the most right. known, right? Yeah, Apollo's number one. And then, uh, yeah, he's probably th- he's probably the third most well-known, right? Because I would say Drago is is more well-known than Clever Lang. Right, but you still know, but um, you still know him. You still know Clever Lang. Yeah, for he's sure. He's not spider yeah, I think, no, <laughs> he's not spider but he should definitely, he should be the number one, like, boxing villain? Well, okay, really it. quick, they, since, you, I, since you said boxing villain, I got to say, and again, I hadn't thought about this in a long time because this was the first time I've seen the movie start to finish in a while. I feel like Clubber Lang was really unfairly villainized to begin with. Like I'm watching going like, I don't even see why he's a bad guy. The guy trains his ass off. He wants this really badly. He clearly is devoted to his craft. It's all that he seems to care about at all. And other than, you know, he gets a little bit out of line with Adrian. He doesn't really trash talk in a way that gets, you know, past, you know, really crosses a line for this particular sport. He's not a dirty fighter. And if we're being honest, there are some kidney punches thrown in that. Not that much. I mean, he's really not that dirty a fighter. I mean, I've seen Stallone throw some low blows. That's true. It's not like Rocky's never done it. Again, choreography. He's he's exactly what boxing. And and he, he appreciates this. He wants this title and appreciates this title so much more than Rocky ever does. Like, I watched this at the end going like, I don't know why I, I mean, maybe it's because I was 10 when this came out and I just sort of accepted it. But I'm like, I don't know why I ever thought he was a bad guy. He's really not a bad guy. I feel, I mean, I feel he, like he, he clearly lacked deal. positive male. He lacked positive male role models as a kid. But other than that, that's not his fault. No, it's not his fault at all. And I feel like he probably regains the title because Rocky retires after this. I feel like he regains the title pretty quickly. He would have to. There's no way he's out. I certainly hope so. Like, I, I really feel like looking back on it, we all gave Clubber Lang a raw deal. Like, he, he didn't deserve to be vilified the way he was. No, definitely not. I don't have a problem with that. Um, interestingly, too, I... Uh, uh, I pity the fool. What I, what I thought was uh, that line was interesting was the way that for it turning into such a catchphrase for Mr. T, it's actually delivered pretty understated. Like it's not being delivered in a way that clearly like, OK, this is supposed to be the takeaway line. Like it's kind of a no, they didn't line. hit it. Right. We, you didn't say it over and over well, again. No, like because, you said, because, I have the tiger 17 times in the movie. Right. No, pr- <laughs> prediction pain is the quote. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty good. I actually, my favorite, yeah, that's my quote. favorite clubber line is when the guy says, will you accept the challenge of the rematch with Rocky? And he says, I'll take the fight, but I will not accept the challenge because I don't think it's a challenge like that. Right. I was like, that is that is That's a good. great answer. See, to that that is a great yeah. answer to that question. Um, yeah. But like you said, Zach, he's just way better at trash talk than Rocky is. Yo, so much better. Um, all right. So this is Andy. This is probably a good a place as any when you start talking about the the the, the most significant pop culture thing that comes from Rocky three is unquestionably eye of the tiger. Yeah. I mean, the, the depend- I mean, no one you can't argue. It's anything else. The, the dependence of this movie on eye of the tiger, like cannot be <laughs> overstated. Like it's a completely different movie without that title track. And it could have actually been that because Stallone tried to get another one bites the dust instead of uh, eye of the tiger at this point didn't even exist. But Queen said no. So he approached Survivor, who had had this minor hit called Poor Man's Song, and asked them to write what became Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger opens the movie. It's used during the training montages. Then it closes the movie 
And as we've said, it's repeated as a phrase over and over and over. Like if this movie opens with another one bites the dust and there's no eye of the tiger, as big as that song was, I don't think this movie's nearly as big of a hit. Like it's a completely different movie without eye of the tiger. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and also, too, uh, since, Brian, you had mentioned that it was a little bit on the nose uh, from Song Facts, the co-writer, uh, Jim Peterick, uh, who shared writing credit with Frank Sullivan, said, quote, at first, we wondered if calling it Eye of the Tiger was too obvious. The initial draft of the song we started with, it's the Eye of the Tiger, it's the thrill of the fight, rising up to the spirit of our rival and the last known survivor stalks his prey in the night, and it all comes down to survival. We were going to call the song Survival in the rhyme scheme. We, you can tell we had to set up rival to rhyme with survival. At the end of the day, we said, at the end of the day, we said, are we nuts? The hook is so strong and rival doesn't have to be the perfect rhyme with tiger. We made the right choice and went with eye of the tiger. So they even knew, yeah, we're laying it on thick. Like they, that, they were not that, unaware. But that kind of reflects all of survivors work. Like the way they, the way they, uh, the way they say that it almost sounds as if you know, the, the, normally they write really complicated Dylan-esque songs, but for this one, they yeah. kind of didn't. You know, guys, we just couldn't, just couldn't get past the chorus on this one. And you know, it's rare for us, but we had to just roll with it. Okay. Here, no, okay. This is, here's a, here's a, a sample from the Survivor hit, High on You. Let, there you stood. That'll teach you to look so good and feel so right. Let me tell you about the girl I met last night it's understood i had to teach you or had to reach you i let the wheel of fortune spin i touched your hand before the crowd started crushing in now i'm higher than a kite now i'm getting hooked on your love talking to myself running in the heat begging for your touch in the middle of the street and then the chorus they met last night <laughs> like this is it he's running they're running in the streets he's talking about being hooked on love higher than a kite they met last night why probably because I mean, it rhymed with <laughs> so right <laughs> uh, so let's not let survivor off the hook here from a songwriting nope, standpoint but, but here's the thing too also, you may not want to let Stallone off the hook because according to Frankie Sullivan, another another member of Survivor, they played the song for Rocky or for I'm sorry, for Stallone. And Stallone's rea initial reaction was, it doesn't have balls. I don't care what the hell you do. I want it to kick ass. All I did was push the faders up a single decibel and boom, you could feel the difference. It was kicking and he loved it. He said, print it. I told him, but that's the demo. Sly said, I don't give a f what it is. That's his attitude. He's a really cool guy. I like it. <laughs> so <laughs> Stallone's never, <laughs> Stallone really isn't much of a subtlety guy either. Like, I don't know if you can put it all on no. the oh, I know. I, Andy, I'm well aware that Stallone is not, a, this is a marriage that, that makes a lot of sense in terms of a band and a director. Like, I get that. Um, but like, if he had gone with another one bites the dust, what would have been the thing that Apollo says over and over again? Would it have been another one bites the dust over and over again? He would have said, make, make, it, make him bite the dust. Make him bite the dust. Or would have been like another one down and another one down and another one down. I'm telling you, it's like, a how do you movie. do that? Like, it's, it's such a different movie. It's like that guitar riff is, is that it changes like how everyone exercises and gets ready for their sporting events until about 1998. Like everybody does it with Eye of the Tiger at that point. Yeah, it, that's it. Michael jo Michael Jordan did with the, did it with uh, Anita Baker's giving you the best that I got. <laughs> he, okay, go he's the that, exception. Eye of the Tiger is a corny song. It's horrible. It's but 
It's a corny well, song. Uh, Zach, when I say that everybody, I mean white people. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm talking very specifically about white people. <laughs> Everyone else had their, had their own thing going in better sense. White people. But surprisingly, like, the movie does not hold up from a cultural standpoint and yet still kind of holds up from a <laughs> it, nostalgic it's the standpoint, most, if that, if that makes sense. It's the most weirdly pops culture specific movie. I think I've ever seen because like you said, it doesn't hold up yeah. Zach, but it's also been indelible in a pop culture sense. Like at the same time, like it's a very specific thing because also too, like Hulk Hogan's appearance in this, this is like a couple years before the WWF really exploded. And this is where you had uh, Hogan and Mr. T meet up and they ended up teaming up for WrestleMania, like the original WrestleMania where Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff go up against Hogan and T. Like that all begins here. So it's like part of this very specific pop culture thing that, you know, doesn't really necessarily go beyond 1982, but it's had legs. It's, it's strange. Give Stallone credit. He had an eye for picking people before they before they blew up. Yeah. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he not Hulk Hogan know what yet. to do with him. No. Yeah. He was Thunderlips. Neither was Mr. He T. wanted to know where his love slaves were. <laughs> which in in that sense makes him just like the rest of us We're, are we all just looking for our love slaves in one way or another um it is it's, it's just a, it is a very specific movie though and i think i the tiger uh without it is is it, it, it's hard to think like the movie wouldn't have done as well okay you guys want to hear another right. song that was considered uh other than another one bites the dust you're the best from Karate Kid. That oh, I song, knew that. I did know that, that. You're right. That song was uh, actually suggested for Rocky Three, but Stallone rejected it for Eye of the Tiger, and then obviously it ends up in Karate Kid. Like Thank God. Two years Thank later. Thank God right? it worked out that way. Because then two changed. movies would have been screwed. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, that, yeah. that uh, then, all Valley like, Karate Tournament. just yelling, you're the best. You're the best around, Rocky. You're the best. Nothing's ever going to keep you down. You're the best around over and over again. Like, I mean, there's just this flashpoint of, of different pop culture actually gets rooted back to Rocky Three Again, even if the movie itself seems so not even era specific, like year specific. Oh, yeah. It, it, this movie, if it's made in 2012, looks very different. It's a very different film. Um, all right. So entertainment value. How good is this movie? How entertaining is this movie in the that's, end? That's a, that's a great question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm entertained by parts of it. Other parts I found myself like, conflicted yeah. right now. Yeah, like I'm I'm just entertained by Clubber Lang. Like I'm really entertained by by him, and then the rest of the movie I can kind of do without. Mm -hmm. I really can't. I'm not trying to be like a downer, like oh this sucks. I can't believe people like this. No, I get why people liked it. I get why people still like it. It's just on the rewatch this time, watching it the whole way through, like I just left thinking, man, I would love a Clubber Lang movie. Yeah, Andy, like when I watched this, I was I was sort of, I, I mean, there were certain parts of it, like the the Thunderlips match, I I was enjoying, but not for the reasons I was supposed to. I was again like, why is this here and why is he hitting cops and everyone's okay with it? But like, I actually kind of found a lot of it boring and slow moving and like sad and 
I, I wasn't, I didn't like it as much as the other ones. I, I don't quite think uh, it knows what it wants to be and that Stallone quite knows what he wanted mm-hmm. to be again. I think it gets to sort of that push-pull of where the movie franchise is and like sort of where we are in movies right now, where Stallone is in his career. Um, it's obviously not a great movie and it's not, you know, a great movie in the pantheon of this franchise. Although if we're really being honest, this franchise doesn't contain a lot of truly great movies. It's like Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not a lot of true greatness um, connected to this whole thing. I mean, I would say Rocky is a really great movie. I think Creed is a really good movie. Rocky's a great movie. Creed is a great movie. Four is a brilliant piece of American <sighs> cinema, and I, I will agree. not stand I any. I, agree, but, I will not stand by and let you say anything. Creed. Creed's a really good movie. Oh man, Michael B. Jordan cannot act at all. This is the like a little this is the little thing that we keep lying to ourselves about. Like he is a horrendous actor and everyone always goes, yeah, but on the wire. OK, so he was good when he was 16 and then he had to act in more grown up roles. I thought he was good in Fruitvale Station. Like, sure. Yeah. OK, but everything else, he's horrendous. I don't think he's, he's not like he's not like, he's not good. The directing is good in Creed. Kugler's like, a good director. The directing is fun. Yeah, Kugler can direct his ass off much like he did. Like the directing in Black Panther mm-hmm. is incredible. That movie's not good. The movie is culturally relevant. That movie is culturally important. But like Michael B. Jordan in that is horrible. He is laughable in Black Panther. He's, he's, he's one of like, the weaker. He's not laughable in Creed, but he's like he's atrocious in Creed too. He's better in Creed I've than not Creed seen too, Creed but he's too. still. I don't think he's good. It, you don't. Need to. <laughs> it's really bad. It's like exceptional. Well, bad. once I saw Coogler was out, I, I really had no interest in seeing it. Like once I knew it was a different director, I was like, eh. I mean, because honestly, Creed was better than it really had any right being. So I kind of figured that was Ryan Coogler. And once yeah, he was out, it's a good movie. I have a feeling this isn't going to be very good. Yeah, it's Creed a good two? movie. No, Creed. I yeah, Creed is good, good but it, right. I didn't think it was going to be good. I was yeah, Rocky two. Rocky good. two is a decent movie. Mm. Ro- it's it's decent. Rocky four is amazing. Um, not necessarily for reasons it was intended to be, but it is right, one of yeah. the most habitually it's watchable one of the movies that was seven, like you like you mentioned a seventeen page. It, it it's is one of the so movies. incredibly watchable page. and leaves you in such a good mood when you're done. <laughs> it doesn't matter, like because it commits to everything that three won't. Like yeah. you got to you got to pick a lane, and three won't commit. And so I just found a lot of it kind of all i mean it's got some good moments there's no there's no question but overall it's just kind of a boring movie no you're I, correct I was not wildly entertained that rocky four may not be a you know truly good movie it's way it, more entertaining than three it commits to what it is and it just mm-hmm. leans into the idea of we're going full-on reagan era 80s murica you know patriotism mm-hmm. ridiculousness and it's completely just unashamed by it and it, it, so just, it is bad america good Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, like James, Ro- like Rocky, Rocky James Brown Four is Rocky Four is to America what Draft Day is to the NFL. <laughs> like it's just an ad for America. Draft Day is just an ad for the NFL. That's like the best SAT question I've ever heard. What do they call those things? <laughs> what are those things called? You know, uh, Rocky Four is to you know, whatever as Draft Day is to the NFL. Um, a couple things. Any other little little facts or things you want to go through before we get to the grade? Um, one yeah, from I got eight, a couple completely pieces. forgot that Mickey was Jewish. Totally yeah, forgot. I, I remember in the moment that blew my mind when I was like 10 years old 
And I was reading about that, Brian. Apparently, not only was this surprising to audiences, it was surprising to Stallone, <laughs> which I don't understand because he wrote the script <laughs> and he created this character. But if this is where I, I don't believe that he actually wrote these things. I just don't. Well, my theory. But is it's actually one of the it's actually one of the most touching scenes in the movie where the rabbi leads Rocky through the Kaddish. And Rocky obviously has trouble pronouncing the, the Hebrew because he had trouble pronouncing the English. But like, I was like, this is a, this is a, this is a beautiful little scene, like a beat up Rocky. can't take off his sunglasses, trying to, 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 to send off Mickey with honor with this prayer that he doesn't understand. But like the grief is there. I was like, huh. I just, I, I like that scene. Well, and my, I totally forgot Mickey was Jewish. My theory um, is that that was the influence of Erwin Winkler. Uh, the producer been. for the entire series, like that he just took over that scene. Like he, he, he went location scouting, uh, set up everything at the, uh, the Jewish cemetery and just Stallone was all of a sudden showed up there and realized that Mickey was Jewish because yeah, the, I, admit, the idea that admit, Stallone wouldn't know is bizarre. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe it's that context. They changed it or something for that thing, like a funeral, like Rocky wrote a funeral scene and then it became a Jewish funeral scene. Or maybe um, they, maybe actually they had trouble securing any other location. So they had to make him Jewish. Rocky, we got to <laughs> have a Jew funeral. Like I, that's, that's what I was, <laughs> I need you to do a quick rewrite for this script. He's got to be Jewish. <laughs> it's the only other religion we can find. Yeah. But, uh, but I like, I like that. Um, and it survive. made sense, actually, because Mickey was old enough to come because back in the day, there were a lot of Jewish fighters. Yeah. And so it would have made sense. You know, the, the, you know, now, if you want to have guys like anytime you encounter a Jewish athlete, let's be frank, Andy, it seems a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> but yeah. um, back in the day, no, it made more sense. Um, a little tidbit I found uh, about Survivor. Um, they have demanded over the years that Mitt Romney, Newt Gingrich and Mike Huckabee all refrain from using Eye of the Tiger with their respective campaigns. So mm -hmm. it appears that Survivor is at minimum staunchly apolitical, if not just flat out lefties. <laughs> like <laughs> bunch of libs. Right, yeah, I remember bunch that being libs. a big deal in 2012. Yeah, they, they, uh, Survivor, if nothing else, they, they, they don't align enough with the GOP to let them use their song. They're a bunch of Bernie bros. <laughs> <laughs> and also too, uh, Zach, you might find this interesting because you mentioned about Clubber Lang uh, with the training. Apparently, uh, an unknown at the time, Morgan Freeman, auditioned for the role of Clubber Lang's trainer. Really? Yeah. All right. <laughs> like, I guess <laughs> that's confusing to me. I guess he would have been. Was he going to narrate the fight? He would have been, I guess, one of the guys in the corner. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess. I, I actually do not like this that. Is like electric, this is like electric. This is like electric company era Morgan Freeman. Yeah. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> That would have been terrible. <laughs> I, I, I like moments like that in movies, except with the idea of picturing Morgan Freeman doing this. He could have really calmed down. Right. He could have really calmed down Clubber, though. Like, he would have really just... Only a horse it. tranquilizer was going to calm down Clubber Lang. <laughs> just Clubber was intense. Very, very intense. But that's the trivia I have. Um, also, I just one last thing before we get to the grades. I love whenever movies you know, shoot and film in LA. Um, that movie was a reminder downtown in LA, uh, downtown LA in the, uh, early eighties, not a nice place. No, Ooh, a little, rough. <laughs> yeah. a little run, a little, little run down. Okay. Like yeah. Holly 
you know, as much as Paulie's bitching about this whole thing in L.A. and you see his racism come through, he actually has a point that there's no reason for him or Adrian to be staying there. Like the hotel, the hotel rain, which is which is a real place on fifth. Right. Like it's Rocky who needs to get his edge back, not Paulie or Adrian. And truth be told, it's kind of unsafe for Adrian to be there. (laughs) There's there's (laughs) oh, it's totally unsafe. There's really no reason for this to be taking place, at least for Paulie and Adrian. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, just just a reminder: if you think downtown not nice now, try it thirty five years ago or whatever that was. It was even worse. Um, all right, let's right. let's get to the uh, to the end here. Uh, how many rings does this does this one get? Uh, again, it's a sports movie. You have to do it in rings because rings are all that matters. One to ten scale. Uh, Zach, we'll start with you since you're our, you're our guest. I'm gonna give it three rings. <laughs> I, uh, it's it's a circus. There's just so much wrong with it. I like, you know, Rocky doesn't know where he is half this movie. Um, Clubber's re- Clubber and Adrian are my two favorite characters, I guess. Uh, the whole Thunderlips thing, as you mentioned, is just bizarre. Um, Polly being just a huge racist was a, was just something I did not remember. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of forced feeling in this. There's a lot of montages. I'm good with a montage or two. It, you can't have like eight montages with one of them being strictly magazine ads. Like that can't be it. And so I like the nostalgia of it all. I'm good with. I think it's a decent boxing movie. But if we're really like boiling it down to like where this stands in the pantheon of of sports movies, it's pretty low. Yeah, Porky's deserved to make more money than this, I think. <laughs> 100%. You know what? Andy? I came into this thing thinking I was going to give it a five, maybe a six, but I got to be honest, you guys have made some really strong points along this way and made me rethink some things. I'm going to give it four rings. I, I, maybe it's just the nostalgia talking because I'm, I'm old enough to remember seeing it in the theater. But there really is a lot wrong about it. And my realization that Clubber Lang was so unfairly treated in this movie kind of bothers me. Yeah. 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 He got I'm Andy. I'm with you. I'm giving it a soft four. Sort of like if it's a, like Ooh. you say, it's like, is it, it's a, it's a six game series, but is it more likely to go, if you have to pick one, is it more likely to be five or seven? Like I'm giving it four, but it's more likely to be a three than a five. And and this is this is a six game series like the '96 finals, right? Where everyone's like, "Oh, the Sonics pushed the Bulls to six games." Like, yeah, but they were down three zero in the series, so it's <laughs> right. really not the true six. Right. It's game it's series. a really soft four. But I'm yeah. thinking like because like Rocky Balboa is a That's one a- and a half maybe, and Rocky Five is like a two. So this is like two rings better than Rocky Five maybe. Yeah, Maybe that's about right. Yeah, yeah. I still think Rocky Five. It's is, not a good film. This is not a good. It's film. not Rocky good, Three is not a good film. Neither is this. No, this one. is not a yeah. good film. I mean, the, <laughs> well, in part because it's trying to be um, the stellar so, acting right. of Tommy Morrison, though. I mean, oh, it's God. hard to look past that. Hitman, yeah, Tommy Gunn. All right, um, Zach. Thanks so much, man. This for, for do you feel like yeah, this is an important moment in American pop culture as we convert this podcast into a, a sports movie podcast? So thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Get used to it, folks, because we got months. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Quickly, anything you want to promote, Zach? Uh, You know, uh, talk hoops on the social medias. Uh, Check out the obviously subscribe and check out the athletic. Uh, You can catch me on Sirius XM NBA radio um, every morning, Monday through Friday uh, from I don't know. It's like 8 8 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, You can catch 
an edition of Cinephobe, which is my podcast with Amin Al-Hassan, where we talk about bad movies every Friday night on Mad Dog <laughs> Sports week, Radio. Rocky, or next week, catch, Rocky Three. Or, <laughs> next week is Rocky Three. Or you can just catch Cinephobe, period, as a, uh, as a podcast uh, on all podcast platforms. Awesome. Very good. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Anytime. All right. Thanks again to Zach Harper for, for joining us. That was fun. Andy, we don't know. We're trying to pin our guest to our movie. We know exactly what movie we're going to do next week, do we? No, we haven't quite figured that out yet. We've got a few options just trying to narrow it down uh, with guests and stuff like that. But we're definitely going to be uh, like we have to choose like Rocky two, Rocky five. <laughs> yes, but we're only doing Rocky movies. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just going to be a deep dive into different Rockies. And then once we finish the eight of them, we're just going to go back to Rocky three and just keep cycling. Right. Just keep doing it over and over and over again. So, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe we'll, we'll put it out once we know what movie we're going to do. OK, so we'll see everybody next week. And obviously, uh, again, for the Lakers st- stuff, if things pop up, we'll we'll keep on that. We'll you know record a different show for that and uh, always check out Basketball Reasons with Bill Oram and Brett Dawson. Please rate, review and subscribe to our podcast and all the podcasts here at The Athletic. We'll see everybody next week. 